Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. And we have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to take those calls and answer your questions. And so we're so glad that you're tuning in today. Again, if you've had a question about the Bible, maybe something that you're, you've always been curious about, something that's come up in your reading, perhaps, or if there's uh, something you're curious, how does the Bible speak to something that goes on in the world today? Or if you just like to have us pray for something going on in your life, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. The number again to text in is 720-336-0897. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in today, wherever you're tuning in from. First of all, welcome to those tuning in on Grace FM, listening up and down the front range of Colorado, over the air, up into southern Wyoming. Welcome to all of you. You're hearing the show live today. Today is March 31st. It's a Friday, very windy here on the Front Range, so hopefully you're staying safe if you're listening here locally. We also want to greet those who are listening on Radio by Grace and their network of stations. They have stations all over the United States, um, especially in the southern U.S., but with stations all over the place. And so if you're listening on a Radio by Grace station, welcome to you. So glad to have you be part of this listening family. And you're also hearing the show live today. I want to greet those who are listening online on gracefm.com, as well as those listening on the Grace FM app. If you haven't yet got that, really recommend that you do so. Uh, you can get it for free for all your mobile devices, your tablets, your phones on the Apple uh app store and the google play store just go on there and get it you can also get it for your smart speakers as well so tons of ways for you to tune in and listen and we know that many people take advantage of that in fact i'm looking at a map right now that shows me where people are tuning in outside of our broadcast range who are tuning in uh over the internet so welcome to all of you i see we got listeners on the east coast the west coast the mountain states midwest up into uh looks like into Canada as well, and in uh, England, and a few other places as well. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. We also want to greet our listeners who are tuning in on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those on Truth FM in Tennessee. We want to greet those listening on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. Welcome to all of you. So glad that you're tuning in. Just a heads up that those listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio, you hear the show on a one-week delay. So just keep 
keep that in mind, but never let that be a hindrance to you calling in and participating in the show. We want you to be part of what's going on here. And you can actually view that as a unique opportunity you have where you have a one week buffer to tell everybody, you know, to tune in at that particular time when your question or prayer request will be on the air. And that can be a cool way for you to introduce them to this local station. Maybe they'll, maybe it'll become a preset and their radio. They'll start hearing some Bible teaching and God will work in their life through it. And so however you're tuning in, we do ask that you let people know about Calvary Live and whatever station it is that you're listening on and support that local station. Uh, many of these stations, I believe all the ones that we've mentioned are listener supported. So we really encourage you to support your local Christian radio station. Well, again, the number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always a good time to get your calls in and your texts in because as we begin the show, uh, we usually have some open lines here at the beginning. So we'd love to hear from you and love to pray for you. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in the city of Longmont, Colorado. And uh, where we're at, we're conveniently located. Consider this your personal invitation from me to join us for worship this Sunday. If you are on the northern front range, let's say from like the north end of the Denver metro area all the way up to Fort Collins, we'd love to have you come and worship with us this Sunday. We have two services every Sunday morning at 9.15 and 11 a.m. We've got a great children's ministry at both services for your kids. We've also got a youth group that meets on Sundays, and we would love to be a place where you and your entire family can grow closer to Jesus. We study through books of the Bible, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. We're currently in a series uh, for the season of Easter that is um, kind of a break from our verse by verse study through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, the pastoral epistles. That's what we were doing before, um, but we're taking a break for it from it for the season of Easter. And what, here's what we're doing to celebrate. It's something I've kind of always wanted to do. And, and this year, it really aligned with how our teaching series came out, is that I want to follow Jesus on this road from where he says to his disciples that he's setting his face towards Jerusalem to go there, where he'll be crucified and then rise from the grave. And then we see there in, let's say, like this Sunday, we'll be looking at Mark chapter 10, into chapter 11. We know it's Palm Sunday this coming Sunday, but that's part of Jesus's route as he goes from Galilee, leaving behind his home for the last time, never to return, at least not until he's resurrected, and goes. he goes down to the area of Judea. There he meets a rich young ruler. There he has a conversation with his disciples about true greatness and leadership in the kingdom. And there he meets a blind man who he heals. And then he comes into the city welcomed as the messianic king. But then those same people who say, Hosanna, turn on him. And just a few days later, many of them are the, amongst the crowd that is shouting, crucify him. And we'll see what that is all about and how that speaks to our lives. But really the big deal is that it shows us that Jesus came to do something for us, which is bigger and better 
than anything that we can even imagine. It's beyond our wildest dreams, but that's also why sometimes people struggle with it because it's the greatest thing they can imagine, but Jesus came to do something so much better. So I can't wait to share that message. It'll be really a gospel-centered, Jesus-focused message this Sunday. So it's a good one to bring friends and family members out for that, and we encourage you to do so. We've also got services on Easter Sunday and actually on Good Friday as well. And so let me give you the schedule for that and consider yourself invited to worship with us on Easter and Good Friday. So here at Whitefields, we'll be doing two Good Friday services at 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Good Friday. That's April 7th, so one week from today. And then we're going to, we're going to be doing four services on Easter. The first one will be a sunrise service, and that'll have a a special message about that. We do it on the grassy area in front of our church. There's plenty of room for lots of people to gather, and uh, right behind us, we watch the sun rise over the east. So that's a really cool thing. That'll be at 6.15 this year. Sunrise is at 6.20, so we'll be worshiping as the sun rises. We'd love to have you join us for that. 6.15 is how it begins. And then we have three Easter services, 8 a.m., 9.15, and 11 a.m., and we'd love to have you and your family come out. Uh, There's some statistics that show that people who don't generally go to church are willing to go to church on Easter if they're invited by a friend or family member. So I really encourage you, invite somebody, bring somebody with you on Easter so they can hear the good news about Jesus. For more information, directions, and all that good information about our church, how you can find us and where we're located, you can find us online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on um, Grace FM. For those of you who are listening to Grace FM, you can hear me every weekday at 9.30 and 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Well, with no further ado, let's go to Pat in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Uh, Pastor, first of all, before I ask my question, I wanted to thank you for what a gracious host you were when I visited your church back in December. I mean, you you immediately recognized my voice from the phone, and you took me around the church, and uh, you have a, a blessed ministry, and I I wish continued blessings on your ministry. Just a fabulous church that you have there. So I wanted to thank you again. Uh, you made me feel right at home, uh, and uh, that's that's just a good feeling. So thank you for that. Absolutely, Pat. Hey, I really enjoyed meeting you. Really enjoyed that time. Yeah, and I, even when you took me to show you, uh, you showed me where you do the show. Uh, it was all. It was. It was really a nice tour. So thank you. Awesome. That, that being said, uh, Pastor, I was listening to your morning show, uh, your spots, your morning and afternoon spots on Grace FM uh, a couple of weeks ago when you were away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I don't think I, I, I may have misunderstood what you were trying to say. You were speaking about the gospel, and you were saying that um, the gospel is a way of life, uh, you know, the way you should live your life, and this and that. And I always thought the gospel was simply a declaration, Mm. meaning uh, uh, an isolated statement of what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross, he was buried, he he, uh, resurrected, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's the gospel. Living the Christian life is something different. The gospel isn't living the Christian life. The gospel is simply a declaration of what Christ did. 
Did I misunderstand that? Yeah. So actually, I would be in full agreement with what you just said. Um, and, and in fact, I've taught many messages on that topic where people will say, you know, the gospel is, you know, doing things for the poor or the gospel is, you know, following Jesus. And I, I would be 100% with you that actually the gospel, both in its origin as a word and in what it is in fact, it is a declaration of what Jesus has done. It's not good advice. It is good news. And so um, I'm 100% with you, and I, I certainly have taught uh, exactly what you're saying, that it's not a way of living. It is a declaration of what Jesus did in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Um, so yeah, if you know which message that was, please tell me, because I'd love to go and, and uh, make sure that I said the correct thing, because actually I am of the same mind of, as you in that regard. Yeah, Pastor, I, I'm sure I'm the one who misunderstood it, and uh, uh, I'm sure you, you were you were professing just that. Uh, I, I must have just been having an off moment, and, and I was thinking it was meaning something else. But uh, your uh, what you declared today is is proof that I got it wrong that day. So thank you for that. And and again, Pastor, I, I just uh, love your show. I love your preaching. And and one more time, I know I said it a couple times already. Thank you for being such a gracious host when I visited your church. Oh, Pat, it's good to hear from you, and I and I uh, feelings mutual. So I've always enjoyed hearing you call in. So thanks so much for those kind words. You have a blessed day, Pastor. You as well. God bless. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air, answering your questions about the Bible and praying for your prayer requests. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you and other people who are going to hear you on the air and hear the question you ask, the prayer request you put forth. That's going to encourage them and bless them. So I encourage you to do so. Here's the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-3000. 0897. Let's go to Donna in Williamstown, New Jersey. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the program. Hi, Donna. Well, we might have lost Donna, but I see her question, so let's go ahead and answer that. So Donna's question was, will all of us cast the crowns that we earn at Jesus' feet, or will we keep them, and will the elders be the only ones who cast their crowns at Jesus' feet? Yeah, so this is in regard to a passage from the book of Revelation, where it says that John, you know, gets a preview. John the Revelator, the Apostle John, he is on the island of Patmos, and he has this vision that God gives him of the things which are to come. And so it says that he gets caught up to heaven in verse in chapter four, verse one. He gets caught up to heaven, then he gives us kind of a a laydown or layout or description of what he sees there up in heaven. And one of the things he describes describes is that there are these elders around the throne of God who uh, cast their crowns before the Lord and Jesus's feet. And, um, and of course, you know what that represents. I'll explain in a moment, but it represents that Jesus is greater than even any reward. He is himself our great reward. Uh, Will all of us cast our crowns? Yeah, I, I guess I would assume that we will. Right, so at that point when uh, they have these crowns that John sees, um, they're the ones casting them. But my assumption is that we will all cast our crowns 
before Jesus' feet. Um, and, and I guess, though, we'll see when we get there, right? If we're wrong, then you and me, Donna, we can kind of chuckle and elbow each other and say, well, I guess I guess it's just the elders we get to keep our crowns on our heads. Um, but here's here's what it represents, and I think it's really important. You know, the, there are several crowns that are given to people uh, that we read about in the Bible, the crown of life, and the, uh, et cetera. And so what we see, these are rewards that are given to people who persevered in faith in the face of great trials and things like that. And so I'm not sure if these will actually be physical, literal crowns or if that is a metaphor. I, I guess I assume that they will be physical and literal, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Here's um, what it represents, though. It represents really this reward. And the fact that these people take their rewards and cast them at Jesus' feet, what that represents is the fact that these people are saying, hey, these rewards are not what I treasure ultimately. What I treasure ultimately is you, Jesus. Man, what an important message that is. One of my favorite verses, it really comes out in the King James and New King James translations, but it's found in um, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And there it says that God said to Abraham, Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. You think, what was the reward that Abraham got for leaving his home leaving his family and going to this land that God was going to show him, the reward that he got was God himself. It wasn't land and having possession of land. It wasn't all of these things because then he died and he didn't get to keep those things. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that what Abraham was seeking after was ultimately the heavenly city, the city that has foundations. He was seeking for what it says there in Hebrews 11, a better life that offers something that this life cannot give. What he was looking for is eternal life. And Jesus tells us in John 17, verse 3, that eternal life, the essence of it, is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. It's a relationship with God. It's not just about longevity of life. It's about quality of life. And so just that idea that God himself is our great reward. One of my friends here at church, he often uses this phrase where he'll say, you know, the thing about heaven that makes it heavenly is that God will be there. People get so into this stuff like, oh, we're going to have mansions. What's that going to be like? Are we going to have a yard where we can play football? Are we going to have, like, what are we going to eat? You know, is the streets made of gold? That'll be fun. No, 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 no. The fact that the streets are made of gold tells you that there will be a huge reversal, upending of values in heaven. Now, like, I'm looking out at a parking lot right now. It's covered in asphalt. In other words, what it's saying is nobody's going out there and being like, look at all this asphalt. This is amazing, right? Because we, we understand asphalt is, is common. It's a dime a dozen. Who, who cares? It's just asphalt. We walk on it. We drive on it. And essentially what it's saying is that gold, that thing which people treasure so much in this world, the thing which people fight wars over and all that, in heaven, there'd be such a reversal of values that the value in heaven will not be gold but it will be God. And as we're in heaven, we're not going to be enamored with the fact that the streets are paved with gold. We're going to be enamored with the fact that God is there. Conversely, what makes hell hellish is that God will not be there, right? We wonder about flames and all of those things. And I do believe, you know, what the the Bible said about hell is true. It's a real place. And yet we, we remember that what makes hell hellish is 
the fact that God will not be there, as it says there in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. So, um, Donna, yeah, I think that, that that's really the great message. I was just personally, before I came on the show today, I was reading Mark chapter 10, and uh, a passage that's actually not the main point of what I was going to be teaching this Sunday is this passage about the rich young ruler. And really, you know, Jesus says to this rich young man, he, the man says to Jesus, he says, hey, you know, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and it says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And because he loved him and he saw what was in this man's heart, he said to him, um, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And that, that's so interesting, right? Because um, he's telling him, this th- I see you, I see what's got a hold of your heart. The thing which you really treasure is not me, it's not even eternal life. What you really treasure is, is your money. And he says, it's got a grip on you. It's, it's becoming a deterrent for you in taking hold of what God has for your life. And he says, I want something more than that for you. I want you to see that true riches, right? The true value is not found in your earthly wealth, which you'll have for a moment because our life is like a mist. No, no, no. The true value, true riches is found in me, Jesus is saying. And and you should be willing to give up everything you have to take hold of that true wealth. And so, yeah, great question, Donna. And uh, I'll tell you what, when we see each other in heaven, we can either, we can find out what happens, and then we'll say to each other, oh, we were right. Or we could say, oh, I guess we were wrong. And then we'll, we'll uh, keep our crowns on or cast them off. We'll see. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady for, from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've got all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in. Um, let's go to our text line as we wait for calls to come in. Someone texted in just now saying that the last month and a half has been very discouraging for their family. They're asking for prayer. They can see, they say, I can see that God has been taking care of us, but the tremendous stress in dealing with hardship after hardship since mid-February is taking its toll. And I'm dealing with all of this while pregnant. The pressure is weighing heavily on me just to keep my family functioning. Absolutely. Let's pray for this dear person. Heavenly Father, we pray for this this person or this this lady who is pregnant and struggling to keep her family going in the midst of facing hardship. Lord, I just pray that your enduring grace would meet her need today. Lord, I pray that you would meet her in this place of, of need and meet those needs for strength, for perseverance, and for the ability to go on. So, Lord, we give you praise and glory for how you have been taking care of them until now. But, Lord, I pray that she would sense your presence with her. We think about what it says in Second Corinthians, that you're the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction. And Paul says there, even when I was at this point where I despaired of even life itself and felt that I had received the sentence of death, all of these things happened so that I would learn to rely on on God's strength rather than my own. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in this case, and that as this family turns to you and and leans on you, that they would find you and experience you to be the one who is mighty to save and who has the strength that they need. 
And so, Lord, we pray for your grace and mercy in their life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for texting in and giving us the honor of praying for you here on the air. If there's any of you out there who have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. We're also here to answer any questions you have about the Bible. Maybe it's a question about theology or a question about something going on in the world today and what the Bible has to say about it. The number to call with those kinds of questions is 303-690-3000. One more time, 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Go back over to the text line. We have a text that came in from someone asking, what are the keys of the kingdom that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 16? And how does this relate to the Catholic Church? Yeah, it's a really good question. And in fact, I just taught on this section this past Sunday uh, in Matthew chapter 16. So let me open there in my Bible and uh, we'll talk about that. So in Matthew 16, here's what's happening. It says in the beginning of the chapter that the Sadducees and Pharisees came to Jesus and they tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Now, Jesus, think about this. He's been doing signs for three years and um these signs all showed that he was the Messiah. It says in Isaiah 35 that when the Messiah would come, the eyes of the blind would be opened, the lame would leap for joy, uh, the deaf would hear. And so by Jesus performing these miracles, he was showing and proving that he was indeed the Messiah. He's filling, fulfilling the prophecies. I think it's in Isaiah 26 where it prophesies that when the Messiah comes, he will bring the dead back to life. And so Jesus had done that as well. And then uh, you might remember that in the Gospel of John chapter 6, when Jesus fed 5,000 people miraculously, people said, here he is. This is the one who Moses promised. That goes back to Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 18, but I'd have to check, uh, where Moses promised that God would send another prophet who would be greater than him, and people should listen to him. So as Jesus provided food in the wilderness, just like Moses had done, the people realized that this man, Jesus, was the Messiah. And so it's right after that that the Sadducees and Pharisees are like, hey, when are you going to show us a sign to prove that you're the Messiah? And it's like, wait, hang on a second. What has he been doing for the last three years? It's really insulting what they're saying. And so it says right there, Jesus says, from now on, I will do no more signs. I will only give you one more sign, which is the sign of the prophet Jonah, which, well, what did Jonah do? If you remember the story of Jonah, Jonah sacrificed himself in order to appease the wrath of God so that the other people who were on the boat with him would survive. So Jesus is essentially alluding to his death and resurrection that is to come. So going on after that, so Jesus goes with his disciples right after that to this place, Caesarea Philippi. He asks them, who do people say that I am? Some people say, well, they say you're a prophet like John the Baptist or a worker of miracles like Elijah or someone who speaks the word of God like Jeremiah. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replies, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And here's the key verse, Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I know we're coming up to our mid-show break, so I'll try and 
We'll just have to split this up and do the latter half on the other end of the break. But think about this. There's really three options. When Peter says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The question is, what is the rock upon which Jesus is building the church? Option number one is he's talking about Peter. Option number two is that Jesus is talking about Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. And option number three is that Jesus is actually talking about himself. Now, because elsewhere in the Bible and elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus says that he is the cornerstone. In Ephesians, it says that Jesus is the stone upon which the, the cornerstone upon which the church is founded. And it says in First Peter, right, where Peter, the one who was being addressed here, says that the that we all together are like living stones being built up into a holy habitation for God with Jesus as our cornerstone. So that's that's pretty convincing. Also in John chapter 20, it says, uh, the writer, John says, we want you to know these things so you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. So it seems that that confession is a really important factor in how we're saved. All right, well, with that, we need to go to our mid-show break. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call, 303-690-3000. We can get you on right after the break. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Well, right before the break, we were answering a question that was texted in regarding uh, the keys of the kingdom in Matthew chapter sixteen. So, right before the break, we talked about what it means when Jesus says, "You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church." Um, but then, what is that? thing about the keys of the kingdom. Well, two really important things to consider, and this is Matthew 16, verse 19. Uh, two important things to consider. One is, what does a key do? Well, a key unlocks things. It opens doors. And we'll see that Peter is the one who essentially opens the door to first the Jews coming to Jesus. That's in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Then he opens the door to the Samaritans. He's the one who brings the gospel to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. And then in Acts chapter 10 and 11, he's the one who opens the door to the Gentiles. Furthermore, if you want to know what the keys of the kingdom are, it's important to find out the other place where that phrase is used. And that is actually used in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus talks about what to do if someone sins against you. And he gives this formula, right? Where he says, if someone sins against you first, go to him, you know, just one-on-one and talk to the person. If you, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. In other words, if he repents of his sin, asks for forgiveness, reconciles the relationship, then that's great. If that, if he refuses to listen, then Jesus says, well, then take someone else with you 
so that you can have someone else there to kind of encourage this person to see how serious this actually is and that other people also see this in a certain way. He says, if they still refuse to repent, then you got to tell it to the church, bring it before the church. And, and if they still refuse to do it, then treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector, which means a person who's not a Christian. And, and then he says this, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Those are the same words that were used in regard to the keys to the kingdom. And who does Jesus say it to? Well, he says it to his disciples, but actually he says it to more than just his disciples. He says, if two are agree on earth, or if two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. And so Jesus is giving this authority to represent him on earth after he ascends into heaven to his followers. That's us as disciples. And so that's that's the idea there of the keys to the kingdom. So thanks for that text. Uh, definitely a debated topic and a, a really interesting one. So the number to call here for Calvary Live with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Alex in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the program. Hi, Alex. Hey. What can we do for you? All right. So I've recently uh, began a friendship with a Muslim, and whenever I first talked to him, <clears throat> I, um, I asked him if he believed in prayer. And then he went on this subject, and he got back to um, – he basically routed back to um, Islam and um, – how he does believe in prayer, but on, on you know, Muslim standards. And uh, <clears throat> I apologize if uh, I pause when I'm talking. But uh, anyways, my uh, being a Christian and uh, listening to him say this, I, uh, I immediately just kind of felt like I hurt inside for him. Like I felt like this guy is lost and... I just really hoped that he would see Christ, that he would accept Christ. So every now and then we'll have a conversation once a week, and we'll talk about Christ. And he says he loves Jesus, you know. But, you know, same same thing goes for the story on Job in the Bible. You know, Satan told God that... Uh, <clears throat> Job only loves you because of what you do for him. He doesn't actually love you. And I feel like that kind of applies to how some Muslims look at Jesus. They love what they what he's done, but they don't actually love him and believe him. And they don't accept him. And if you don't accept the Son, you don't accept the Father. If you don't know the Son, you don't know the Father. So I talk to him with an open mind, and I guard my faith at the same time. And I want to try to figure out the best way to come about opening his eyes to Christ mm -hmm. the way Christ would do it. Yeah, no, that's a great, great uh, desire to have. And I could certainly give you a few tips. I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I ministered to Muslims for several years. I was a missionary in Hungary in the 2000s, and it was right after 9-11. We were inundated with uh, refugees 
from Afghanistan, Pakistan, and then from Iran. And we saw many of them come to the Lord. And so, yeah, I spent a few years doing evangelism amongst Muslims. And there are a few things that I, I found to be really helpful. Um, one of them is to to actually kind of start from where they're at and what they already think or or they've heard. Because they've heard about Jesus, they've heard about the New Testament, and they've also heard a lot of misnomers about Jesus and the New Testament. And so one of them is that um, they've been told that we as Christians, we erroneously believe that Jesus is God, and therefore we believe that there are two gods, maybe even three gods if you count the Holy Spirit, rather than them who they are proud of themselves for believing that there is one God. So it's really important to explain to them that when we're talking about Jesus being God, we do not believe that there are more than one God. We believe that there is one God who eternally exists in three persons. And the reason we believe this is because of the testimony of the scriptures. And here's what's important. Not just the New Testament, but also the Old Testament, right? We point them to passages like Isaiah chapter 9, which talks about a child who will be born, who will also be called um, mighty God, eternal Father, right? And so we point them to these passages from the Old Testament, which show that the Messiah will be God himself come to us to save us. That's really important to understand that there we don't believe in multiple gods. We believe in one God, and Jesus is God come to us. Okay, another really important uh, point with Muslims is to help them understand the fact that God loves them. Because, you know, I remember ministering to Muslims for years, and sometimes we would say this phrase, we'd say, hey, God loves you. In fact, there's a ministry that um, that sometimes has a promotional thing here on Grace FM called God Loves You, My Muslim Friend. And uh, it's done by a, a man from Egypt, really great guy named Sammy. And the reason he always says God loves you is because that is a foreign concept for Muslims. And you talk about like obedience to God. They're all about obedience. They're all about earning salvation through obedience. But the idea that God is loving and the fact that we like we should, that he cares, that is so foreign to them that sometimes when I would talk to them about it, they would laugh or scoff at that idea. They, they've never encountered that concept in Islam that God actually loves them. They obey out of fear. Whereas we obey out of love, and Jesus actually addressed that, right? It's talked about in the New Testament, too, that perfect love casts out fear. And that we have nothing to fear in Christ because of what he's done for us. And so that's, that's a really important point, is to help them understand that God so loved the world that he sent his son. And, um, you know, another really big hurdle to overcome with Muslims that you can work on, because they're really good answers to this, is the idea that, um, they've been told that the New Testament, which they call Injil, um, the New Testament is a book which was inspired by God, but that it's been corrupted over the years. Now, that's that's a really fun one to delve into if the person you're working with is willing to to really look into the evidence because there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that shows that the New Testament actually is the most reliable historical document that we have from the ancient world, more reliable than anything else by a long shot. In fact, I wrote a book last year, and in that book, I give some charts explaining why we can actually trust that the Bible, especially the New Testament, but also the Old Testament, why we can trust that it hasn't been changed over the years. And, um, and 
yeah. So in that book, like I said, I give these charts and it's almost like laughable to look at some of these charts and be like, wow, you know, we believe that certain books were written by certain people, but the copies we have of those manuscripts are like, you know, hundreds, maybe in some cases over a thousand years older than the original document. And we only have like two copies as opposed to the Bible, which will have like 5,000 copies and they're from within like 20 years of the original. So, I mean, really they, they hold up under scrutiny better than anything else that is out there. So if anybody is interested in that book, you can find it on my website or wherever books are sold online. It's called uh, the God I won't believe in facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity. So, um, yeah, so those are some areas where I would focus with your Muslim friend. But like you said, you brought up prayer. That's a really good one because I've found that most Muslim people welcome being prayed for and they really appreciate it. And so the idea of praying for them, but then telling them, hey, I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus because I believe that Jesus hears my prayers and that Jesus as God is able to answer them. So I would just say, continue the relationship. Don't expect there to be one silver bullet, but just keep keep working on your friend, showing them love and showing them that God loves them and that they can trust the New Testament. Okay. That sounds good. That was yeah. really good. Um, I'm going to practice being, you know, unoffended because uh, I feel like that would really make some some, some uh, great progress there. And uh, I just really feel for them. I yeah. really do. I really do. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's so many times when we read about that with Jesus, right? That he would look over Jerusalem, the city that's about to to kill him, and it says that his heart was broken. He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he says, you know, if only you would have known the things that make for peace, you know, and that's a kind of, I think that brokenhearted evangelism is so incredibly powerful. And I think people feel it when they can tell you're not just trying to, you know, be able to say that you converted somebody, you're, you're really caring about their, their true need. And I, I think that's powerful. So Alex, I'll pray for you and then I'll let you go. The Heavenly Father, pray for Alex. Thank you for this relationship that he has with somebody who doesn't know you yet. And I pray that you would help him to answer this Muslim friend's unique questions that he has because of his background. And Lord, we pray for this Muslim friend of his, Lord, that he would truly come to know you as his Savior and that he would experience your grace and eternal life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, Alex. Thanks so much for calling in. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller. Uh, BJ, I think is the name. Let's go to that call. Hi, Hi how there. are you? Good. Welcome to the program. Did I get your name right? Uh, yes, BJ in Jenkintown, PA. That's great. Thank Perfect. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm calling to ask you to pray for me. I um, I have a ministry that I'm working on. Uh, it's I, I am, uh, you know, it's an LLC, and um, I do need to make a living doing it, but it's also my ministry because I love um, hospice care and uh, teaching people about how to care for themselves. So um, it's called, well, it does, I don't have to give it a name, 
But um, I just ask you for, um, you know, wisdom and discernment. God has been uh, incredibly generous providing attorneys and uh, knowledge and a, a really great um, uh, CPA and, and accountant. So um, I, I feel really blessed, but I just um, I need to work on that website, and it's, <laughs> it's a daunting task for some reason. So if you could just pray for me for this, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm that's... also trying to retire, at, you know, like semi-retire. So, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, those are my challenges right now. And I, I know God is with me, but, you know, I just so appreciate your prayer. Thank yeah, you. let's let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for BJ, and we just ask, Lord, that you would guide and provide everything that she needs for this ministry. Lord, thank you for giving her a heart to care for those who are in need. Lord, we pray that as she does that, she would be able to act as your hands and your feet, loving these people in practical ways. And Lord, we pray that you provide her with everything she needs to get it off the ground. Thank you for what you've already given in the in the lawyers and CPAs and these sorts of things. But Lord, we also pray for help with with these final final steps, the website, the whatever else might be involved. And so, Lord, we pray for her that you would uh, give her that strength. And we pray, Lord, that that desire to be semi-retired and care for people, Lord, we pray that you would make that a reality in BJ's life and in this ministry. And so we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in. Okay. I'll be praying for you as well. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks. Sure. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're getting near the end of the show. I want to take the opportunity to tell you about a really cool opportunity for any women who are serving in really any way in Christian ministry. There's a conference coming up put on by Calvary Chapel called When She Leads, and we get to be the host of it here at our church here at Whitefields in Longmont, Colorado. So the conference is called When She Leads. You can find more information at whensheleads.org, and it is a conference for women in ministry. So if you are a lady who is serving the Lord in any capacity in your church or outside, we'd love for you to come. It's all about uh, training women for leadership principles, biblical uh, principles. There are workshops on different areas like reaching Gen Z, working in areas of human trafficking, those kinds of practical things, and then some uh, main sessions as well. So it's a two-day conference, April 14th and 15th. It's going to be hosted here in Longmont at Whitefields Community Church, and the website is whensheleads.org. And so ladies, if you're out there and you're hearing this, we'd love to have you check that out and possibly join us uh, for that conference here at the church. Also, if anyone out there is looking for an activity for tomorrow, our church is hosting what we're calling an egg vent, which is a, it's kind of a Easter festival. We're doing it a week before Easter, just because we know that Easter weekend, uh, resurrection weekend can get very busy and crazy. And so if you're looking for a free event for kids or family members where the gospel is going to be preached and people are going to be loved and introduced to a Bible teaching church, we'd love to have you come out and invite a friend. That'll be here at our church, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont tomorrow morning from 10 a.m., to 12 p.m. and you don't have to do anything except for just show up tomorrow. Our address is on our website. You can find it by just searching us online. Again, Whitefields, two words, Community Church, and you can find us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller, Angel in Tennessee. Hi, Angel. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, Angel. Welcome to the program. Well, I uh, think we might have lost Angel, but her question was, who or what are the Nephilim? So it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's certainly one that is the topic of much debate. And uh, let me just turn in my Bible to that. Um, so Nephilim means fallen one or giants. Um, they seem to have been the offspring of a sexual relationship between the sons of God and the daughters of men. Now there's debate about what that means, the sons of God. And it would, it would seem as if they're in Genesis chapter six, verses one through four, which is talked about for the first time, that these uh, sons of God are distinct from human beings. There's kind of two views on this. One view says that the sons of God are, are um, godly men, like people who believe in God and and walk with him and the daughters of men being ungodly women. But the, the problem with that is that it doesn't explain why, you know, let's say a godly man and an ungodly woman come together and the product of their union would be a giant who is a fallen one, which necessitates God then, you know, destroying the earth in order to um, start over. And so it would seem that this is something uh, unusual and extraordinary. And the main theory then is that the sons of God is a reference to fallen angels or demons, because we know that sons of God is a term that is used for angels. And so that they took on human form and mated with human females. And the product of their union was these extraordinary offspring who are known as, you know, men of renown, of giant size, and apparently enhanced physical abilities. So that would be the, uh, the answer to that. Um, but um, I, I hope that answers your question. It certainly is one of those mysteries that people read the Bible and they're like, wow, what is that? What is that like? What was that uh, could have been like? And so, yeah, definitely a curious passage. So that's kind of our our best understanding of what it possibly means. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've probably got time for about one more call and a few text messages. So if you would still like to call in, you can do so at 303 690 3000. Let's go over to our text line. In the meantime, uh, someone texted in and asked, please explain why some Jews do not believe Jesus was here 2000 years ago and is coming back. Well, I will tell you this, that actually the consensus amongst historians nowadays is that Jesus was indeed a historical figure. So really the idea that Jesus did not exist, that he's a, a myth or a legend, that's really not a view that is held by anybody with any credibility as far as history goes nowadays. So really what Jews don't believe is not that Jesus was not here, it's that Jesus was not the promised Messiah. And then, of course, that correlates with the idea that he's coming back um, because they don't believe that what he said was true when he said he was the Messiah, and therefore they don't believe that he's coming back as he um, said that he would. So why do Jews not believe? You know, if Here's one thing that I always want people to understand, and I feel like it needs to be said, is that in the book of Acts, chapter 6, 
we read about how during the time of the church in Jerusalem, those early days of Christianity, right, around the time of Pentecost and in the days following, first of all, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were converted to Christianity and not only converted, but they joined the church. So immediately there was this church in Jerusalem with thousands of people in it. But it says after that, that the number of disciples began to multiply. So not only 3,000, but now the number is multiplying, right? Exponentially. And then beyond that, it says in chapter six of the book of Acts, that many of the priests were coming and they were getting saved. And what this all comes around to is this fact that when people, the, the Jews in the time of Jesus, in the time after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, when they heard this proclamation that Jesus was the Messiah who was promised in the scriptures and he did come, actually very many of them did convert. And I think that's the thing I want people to know is that there were then those who refused to convert and they remained Jews, but those who did convert later became known as Christians. And the number of Christians, particularly in what we call the Eastern Roman Empire, this is the Greek-speaking part of the Roman Empire, by the time of Constantine, so early 300s, um, was around 60 to 70% of the entire empire, which is just amazing when you consider how many people live there. In other words, many of those people, remember the gospel was preached first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, um, and so many Jews did believe, and I think that's something that we need to see. Now, those who don't believe today are essentially the descendants of those who chose not to follow Jesus or accept him as their Messiah way back then. And they've got several reasons for why they do that. Um, I don't think that any of them are are good or correct, but I'll give you a few reasons why they don't believe that. One is that they really struggle to understand the difference between Jesus as what's called the suffering servant, like in Isaiah 53, who dies for the sins of the people, they struggle to reconcile that with the idea from like 2 Samuel chapter 7, which says uh, that the Messiah is going to be the descendant of King David, and he will rule on a throne forever. In fact, if you look at John chapter 12, you'll see there that people really struggled with this idea even at the time of Jesus. When Jesus began announcing that he was going to die, people said, well, wait a second, if you're the Messiah, how can you die? Because we all know that the Messiah will live forever. And Jesus explained to them, he said, just as a seed has to go into the ground and then it sprouts up, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to die so that I can resurrect in a new body and so I can provide eternal life for the world. So that I would say that is the biggest issue uh, that the Jewish people had was reconciling the Messiah as king with the Messiah as suffering servant. Now we know as Christians who study the Bible that Jesus will indeed fulfill all the prophecies about him being the king when he comes again. But as far as, as why, I would say that's the number one issue. All right. Well, with that, I want to go to one last call, Josh in Severance, Colorado. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'll make this quick. I just wanted to get some perspective on this idea of being the bride of Christ as a man, I, I seem to be the only man in the world that kind of has a hard time being a bride. Mm -hmm. I just, and I know if there's something that I have a hard time with and it's in the Bible, I'm the one with the problem, not the Bible. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, let's keep this in mind too, right? The, the ladies amongst us have to deal with the fact that they are adopted as sons. 
And actually, that's an honoring thing. So sometimes, you know, there was even a thing in 2011, uh, the NIV came out with a uh, version of their translation, which tried to get rid of the gender exclusive language, like sons as opposed to children. And a lot of people pushed back because they said, hang on a second, you change sons into sons and daughters, when in the original language, it literally said sons. And, you know, they said, oh, well, we're trying to be inclusive. And they said, yeah, yeah, But the problem is you have a theological issue there because sons at the time of Jesus had certain rights that daughters didn't have. And so by telling us that we're sons, it's telling us something unique and special. It's actually really good. It's not dismissive of, of women. So uh, on the other hand, right, we as men are called the bride of Christ. And what does that mean? Well, just a few things. One is that, of course, it's the area of faithfulness, right? And that the impetus is put on the husband to be faithful to the wife. The wife is to reciprocate. But again, if you look at Ephesians 5, all of the uh, impetus is put on the man for what he needs to do as a husband. And what it's saying is that that's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And so um, I think, you know, dealing with that, uh, you know, first of all, it comes down to a matter of understanding metaphor, understanding what it points to theologically. That's all really important. So I'd encourage you to understand that it's actually kind of a, a compliment. It's something that we should delight in rather than struggle with. But um, it's a good thing to be the bride of Christ. So I, I have to let you go, Josh. We've come to the end of our show, but thanks for calling in. And I pray that the Lord helps you with your struggles in that regard. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've come up to the last minute of the show today, and um, I just want to take the opportunity to invite you one last time. If you're looking for a place to worship on Easter Sunday, we'd love to have you at Whitefields Community Church, as well as this Sunday, if you're looking for a place for your family to worship there. You can find all our information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And we'd love to have you. We have church services on Good Friday, as well as a sunrise service at 6.15 on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and three services, 8, 9, 15, and 11. God bless you. It's been a pleasure hosting the show with you today. Have a great drive and a great weekend. God bless. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.